What up, Yak Nation? You are listening to Yakety Yak Podcast. I am your host, Oscar, and today we're doing a TV episode. Um, we're going to be talking about The Mandalorian. It just dropped on Disney+, and it is phenomenal. Can't wait to talk about that. Also, going to be hearing from Brayden, one of my very good friends, and we're also going to be discussing Once Upon a Time. So today, Disney Plus dropped, and they have a show on there called The Mandalorian. And I'm going to talk about that today, because I'm super fucking excited about it. So we'll dive right in. There's a couple of quick things I wanted to do before we begin talking about the episode. There is only one episode up right now, and I'll try to do more reviews of the other ones as they come out. Um, First of all... The Yakety Yak Nation is on Apple and um, Spotify, so we're doing great, guys. We also have a Facebook page, uh, Yakety Yak Podcast. You can join us. We're a public group. We're at 48 members the last time I checked, so that's pretty cool. Also, the logo for the show will be coming out soon. Our artist is working on that, and then we'll be able to pimp her artwork once she gets started on that. Um, if you're looking for another podcast to listen to, we also have Vaguely Ethnic Boys from Lauren and Cyrus. My roommates just started their podcast. Uh, it was a little, it was different. It was different. It's way different than this. So y'all go check them out. I laughed a couple of times. Uh, they're funny. They think they're funny. They're funny. But, uh, yeah, we're going to get into this episode today. So Disney Plus did drop. I couldn't log in the first 20 minutes as soon as it dropped because they were having technical issues and people were roasting them online for that. Um, But as of right now, The Mandalorian, as a show on Disney Plus, is at a 91 on Rotten Tomatoes and we have an 8.5 out of 10 on IGN.com. So it's it seems to be positively, you know, reviewed by people thus far. Um, there's a couple of things that are really, really interesting. There's no, like, Star Wars title words in space intro, which I really like. They just got right into it with just the ship in space with a little bit of background music to kind of tell us, hey, we're here. And uh, the ship, funny enough about the ship, I wrote something down about the ship. It's pre-Empire. So this is an old Republic ship that bounty hunters would have used. I like how they're bringing back like the older stuff from the old Republic. Um, curious to see how that model of ship is going to use and some of the functions on it. Uh, we have a bounty hunter guild in the show as well. We see the bounty hunter whose name we don't know yet. Um, walking onto this planet. It looks a lot like Tatooine. It's not Tatooine. It's some kind of weird Moss Eisley feeling place, though. It took me back. I was waiting to see Jabba pop up, but then I remembered he was dead, and I got really sad. Um, but yeah, he meets with um, the Bounty Hunter Guild leader, who is played by Carl Weathers. Really, really, really cool um, role that Mr. Weathers is playing and he did phenomenally as the smuggler who's holding these hollow discs that these bounty hunters accept bounties from. So the way the show opens up is he's on a planet 
he goes there. He's fighting um, these ruffians in this bar, and you think, oh, he's going to save this guy, and he collects this guy's bounty, puts him on his ship. He goes back to the guild. The guild guy's like, there's a client. He's like, well, give me the disc. And he said, no, no, no disc. And I was like, okay, word, shady. Then the doors open up in the shady part of the planet, and it's this guy wearing an imperial medallion, like, made of gold. He's got four stormtroopers in the room. Their armor is all beat up, so we don't really know, like... Clearly, this is post-Empire, and everything's in the shitter right now. So the stormtrooper armor reflects that, and it's just really ominous. Like, I don't know if they're clones, though. It was very, very hard to tell, because... They were given direct orders, and they didn't obey them, but then they obeyed the second set of direct orders, so they kind of had this feel of, well, they're Imperial troopers, but they could also be clones, so I'm curious to see how that's going to go. Anyway, creepy Empire guy is um, in his bunker, and he's telling this person, the Mandalorian, to run out, and he needs to acquire a target and there's a scientist that walks into the room and he's like wait uh, we need it alive and the imperial guy is like no we don't need it alive so there's like some conflict and you're like oh what's this target it, he, they keep calling it the asset too this asset that um, this imperial person needs so he uh, pays him up front he pays him like 25% up front and he gives them this um, metal that the Mandalorians on their homeworld use to make their armor. Uh, it's a very, very sturdy metal and he gives it to him in this little bar and then you see him on the same planet go down to what looks like Jabba's palace, but it's not. It's really confusing. Like the scene looked like inside of Jabba's palace. But anyway, he goes to this forge and there's a Mandalorian woman there. And it's really mysterious. Like, she's just hammering away with this metal. And she makes um, a shoulder pad out of what he brought her. And he's slowly replacing his armor with this full set of Mandalorian armor. And it looks really, really cool. It looks like he already got his helmet done. And they keep talking about how this is back for the clan. And this is how we will restore honor and you're like okay so we're getting a little bit of mandalorian culture with clans and things like that so uh, we already discussed the ship we see he's traveling around i don't want to give too many spoilers about the episode although if you're listening to this i'm assuming you've already watched the episode um he flies to the planet where the asset is and he meets this really old dude and old dude is like, um, oh, you captured these creatures that were giving me problems. I'm going to help you find this thing because everyone who's come looking for this asset has died. So he travels with the old man and you get to see a really, really cool thing where this guy is doubting that he can do this. The Mandalorian, he's like, I don't know if I can ride this thing, like this creature to get to the other side of the planet because they can't take speeder bikes or anything. They have to ride this creature. And he's like, your ancestors rode storm dragons and shit like that. And he's like, oh, okay, bet. So he tames the creature. They go. Old man leaves him. And then 
Like, just when shit's about to pop off, you see an IG model assassin droid walk through. And you're like, okay, IG. It's not IG-88, unfortunately, because he was horribly destroyed. But it's an IG unit. And IG units in the Star Wars universe are used by bounty hunters. But this one is self-aware. It's programmed to collect bounty. It could possibly be programmed by the guild itself. Um wasn't too clear as to who programmed it or if it has become sentient. Uh, it's wearing older um, meddling on its coat. It's got some weird markings on it. It's a very old IG model. Uh, possibly pre-Empire, possibly uh, early post-Empire. Not really sure. We know that the IG model was discontinued sometime in between the empire maybe someone is remaking them maybe someone is dug up a bunch of ig models we don't know exactly what's going on there but we do know that it has a primary objective and it has the same objective of bringing this asset to somebody it never specified it was the imperial it just specifies we are to bring the asset to this person so he's shooting up a bunch of people. By the way, this fort that they go to is just overwhelmingly like stocked. It is ridiculous. And you get to see the IG unit do what IG units do. They murder the shit out of everybody. And then more people come. He tries to shoot the Mandalorian. He's like, hey, I'm part of the guild. They show each other their guild thingies. And it's like... Okay, cool, so we'll work together. Well, they finally approach the asset. And as they're looking at it, the Mandalorian is about to reach out and capture it alive. And then the IG unit holds up his gun, and he's like, my orders were to destroy it. And the Mandalorian was like, my orders were to bring it alive if possible. And once you see the show, I'm not going to spoil this part because this part, like, really, my jaw dropped when I saw this, what the asset actually is. I'm not going to spoil that for you. Please go watch The Mandalorian. It's great. It was Jesus. No, it wasn't Jesus. But um, it, it might as well have been Jesus with how shocking it was. I did not anticipate the direction they were going to go with that. Um, he shoots the IG unit in the head, incapacitating it, and then it shuts down. And then it's just him and the asset pointing at each other. And then it just ends. The episode ends. And I sat there for a minute, and I was like, this is great. This is what Star Wars should feel like. That surprise, that awe, that intrigue. And I think Disney did an amazing job with this show. And I'm really, really happy to see that we're getting to learn about Mandalorian culture other than another source from the Clone Wars. Guys, it's a great show. Um, you should really check it out. Disney Plus looks good. I already viewed their other Star Wars stuff. Rebels isn't on there yet, and neither is the Clone Wars, which is kind of, kind of disappointing. But um, the trilogy, uh, the original trilogy excuse me words are hard and the first trilogy the one two and three with jar jar and all of that they're on disney plus so you can check those out if you know some people who haven't seen star wars and they need a refresher course for episode nine all the movies are readily available episode eight is not 
on Disney Plus yet. It's still on Netflix, though, so you can check out there if you're having a movie marathon leading up to Episode 9. And again, most of my content for the next two months is probably going to be Star Wars related since Disney is releasing so much Star Wars stuff. I apologize to people who don't really want to hear me just ramble about Star Wars all the time. Trust me, guys, it won't be this all the time. But for now, we're in the year of Star Wars, and it's going to be great. Um, I have a couple of reviews I wanted to read about the show itself. One review uh, just completely captured the essence of what I was feeling, and I'm going to read that to you. It was written four hours ago. Uh, There is a lot to be excited uh, for this series. There are some inside baseball references that hardcore fans like myself get excited for, um, but casual fans will miss, but they won't take away, it won't take away from the story because they build into this mysterious plot. They do, not, they do a really good job of explaining what happens in the greater universe without over-explaining it. They are also doing a really good job of establishing characters and relationships. The thing that surprised me was how they were able to make the Mandalorian culture as mythical as the Jedi were in the original trilogy. Usually they are depicted as prideful warriors, but at, a mom- at this moment in the story they feel like the first time Obi-Wan talks to Luke about the Force. Um, Dave, uh, oh, I'm going to butcher his last name. We're just going to call him Dave. Dave directs the first episode, and if you aren't familiar, he spent 10 years training under George Lucas and was the showrunner on the Clone Wars animated series and Star Wars Rebels. And this review is wrong because uh, Rebels is not on Disney Plus yet. Um, this is his first time directing live action, but unlike most animation direction directors, excuse me, he was taught to direct animation like it is live action and really shows as a storyteller. He is very detailed and will make references in his stories that will take us back later into the story. Everything that makes it to the final cut has a purpose and there is payoff later in the series. So that's a very glowing review. Um, I was very blown away about how, uh, how, how the Mandalorian culture was so mythical. Like we don't know a lot about them in clone wars. We see that they are this warrior race. You have the death watch reestablished and they don't want to be part of the Republic. And some of them do, some of them are peaceful, but they, they're very traditional people. And we see that in their artwork, like with their armor and their actual like cities and their planet. They're very, very cultural. They're very, very honor-driven. And for us to see that brought to the front in front of this forge with very little detail given about them, I thought it was a very magical moment. I've got another review um, that I thought was funny. And then I'm going to stop reading reviews and talk about something else real quick. Stayed up to watch it with my friend and father. It's awesome. Really, really high quality. The vibe feels dark like Rogue One. Western like Solo. 
but unique as well. The CGI blurgs looked like puppets, which I like because it didn't make it feel out of place. The eyes of the blurgs look like puppet eyes from Jurassic Park. This shows use of CGI for storytelling, which doesn't make it distracting. The IG-11 in addition looks super real. I wish it wasn't TVPG. I wanted it to be a little darker like the Joker of the Star Wars franchise. There are so many nods that fans of any generation of Star Wars will love. The Blurgs for Battlefront 2 fans, the aliens from the cantina scenes, parents can relate uh, the Mandalorian's vibes to Boba Fett, prequel kids can relate it to Django, and Rogue One and Solo fans will like the style. I'm going to keep watching episode one until Friday. Again, that was a, just another review I pulled offline. Uh, people really seem to like the show. People are really responding well to it. So good job, Disney. Uh, really, really good job. Um, oh, nope. I just found a negative review. I was about to click out of it, and I found a negative review. The Mandalorian, Disney Plus new Star Wars series, is merely fine. Um, sounds like we have some haters in the atmosphere. Um, da -ba -ba. Let me just skim this real quick. It was fine. Is maybe not the review Disney Plus was hoping for. Huh. Well, again, this is just from the only negative article I have seen since looking for it. Um... Let's talk about the ending. All these other reviews seem to be very, very positive. Um, I can go over some negative reviews later as I research more and more on it. As we get deeper into the series, I'll, I'm sure negative reviews will pop up. There are going to be people who don't like it. And they're just wrong, and that's okay. All that being said, um, I found an article on... The Mandalorian's twist ending begins to unravel one of Star Wars' lasting mysteries. We are referring to Master Yoda and Master Yaddle and what species they are. Now, we both know that Yoda was 900 when he died. We know that Yaddle, in the Old Republic, the old um, system of government in the galaxy, was around 600 when she died. Uh, we know that she is the only female of this species that we've seen. George Lucas doesn't even know what their species is. It's never been clarified as to what species these two are. But the asset at the end of The Mandalorian is a baby little Yoda creature. And it is the same species as Yoda. So I'm curious, did Yoda get cloned? Um... Is his race out there fucking and having babies? Like, I don't know. Um, I'm really, really interested to see what is happening here with that whole thing. Because it was so just jaw-dropping to see this pod open up at the end of the episode. And it's literally a tiny baby Yoda creature. And you're just like, what the fuck does that mean? So, with that in mind, we'll be looking at how that's going to go. We're going to be watching, waiting, seeing what Disney puts out. 
Are they bringing back Yoda's race? Do we even know what species he is? Disney is going to clear up a lot of these questions here in the next few episodes, hopefully. If, if not by the end of season one. But that's all I had to say about The Mandalorian. And with all that being said, I want to introduce all the yaks to my good friend, Brayden. Brayden, what's going on, buddy? What's up, bud? How you doing? Oh, you know, I'm living, I'm living the dream. Trying to record this podcast. <laughs> trying to make it popular. Um, so, you and I have a show that we watch, and a lot of people give us a lot of shit for it. Do you like to uh, tell people what show we're going to be talking about here for the next... 20, 30 minutes? Yeah, sure, I can do that. Um, so it's this show that me and Oscar really enjoy. A lot of people, just like he said, shit on us for it because it's all fairy tales and magical woo-woo, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of our favorite shows. We really like it because of the way it's set up and how they do things. Hey, Braden, you want to give us a title? You just keep saying the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Once Upon a Time. There we go. We have a title. Yay. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's just basically like all the fairy tale characters you read about from your childhood. You know, the Evil Queen, Rumpelstiltskin, Snow White, Prince Charming, and all that comes into real life on how things were back then and all the stories are not like we are used to hearing. Yeah, because they're all, like, meshed together and shit. So I have a couple of things I wanted to talk about in regards to our boy Rumple. Okay. Um, as you know, I am catching up on this series. I originally watched the series when it first came out. I watched, like, three episodes, and I was like a lot of our friends. I thought it was stupid. Um, and then you really wanted to watch it one night. I sat down, and I don't know if it's just because I'm older or if I'm just probably the answer yeah. an emotional piece of shit but Agreed. something struck a chord now it's just like oh this is so great um yeah we're not even gonna get on emotional chords mister you yelled at me for watching the last episode of uh season one without you yeah, that's what i do you were so mad um so do you ever think that Stiltskin will be fully good um that's an interesting question, just because throughout the entire show, he portrays a being really evil, but like, secretly, I think he's good because of Belle, and with that being said, it's hard to really determine that, because, I mean, unfortunately, we're only on season three, so... Yeah, but you've seen all of this. I mean, I have, but I don't want to ruin it for you or for other people that like the show. Brendan, let... Let's be serious. None of our listeners watch this. Um, okay, that's fair enough. I have a theory about Rumple. Uh, well, we just saw him get resurrected. Uh, spoilers. Um, we just saw him get resurrected. Um, he's he's kind of crazy. I don't really understand like what's going on there. And Belle thinks that he's back and all that. And she's in his shop, and I don't know why. I'm just curious to see... If he's immortal, how is that going to work if they actually do get married? I mean, I don't think... Like, I think they will eventually get married. But I think the issue that comes with that is he can never be separated from the dagger. 
So the dagger has complete control over him and like whatever he's doing. Just give it to Bell. I mean, yeah. And then but it's not like he is one of those people who likes to have control no matter what's going on. I mean, that's a fair point. That's a really good point. But yeah, that's just something I've been thinking about with Rumpel. He's he's interesting. He's very he's not as interesting as Regina. Holy shit, Regina. Her backstory just ooh. But um do you have any characters that you really enjoy from the show? Like what has been your favorite storyline from the show just far? Just far, excuse me. Let's keep it around season three. There we go. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think when all the people from Storybrooke went to Neverland, I think that was really mm. interesting and good because it was a different kind of setting of like how I thought of Peter Pan and like who he was. Like, oh, this like good guy, and he like flies around. And, yeah, like, he's an evil twat. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like it's one of those things where he's just an evil teenage boy that lures young boys to live with him forever. So it's just weird. You just said taint teenager. Like it low key. Oh, did I? You did. Uh, That was hilarious. Um, My words mixed together. No, when they're in Neverland, it's really, really stressful. I actually hate that whole segment. Yeah, I agree. Because I'm sweating the whole time. I'm so curious. Like, are they going to die? Oh, if they're just going to kill somebody, kill somebody already. But that's what makes a show really good. It's like you want to be on your toes during right. seasons. So why do you think our friends hate it so much? I just think it. they just like, I don't know, give it one quick look and they're like, oh my god, like this is not my thing. This is like normally what I don't watch. This CGI is garbage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay, that is a good point. It is. Yeah. But at the same time, like if you love all the magic and... And I think the CGI um, could have done better. I and mean, you look at movies like Harry Potter and you look at uh, Game of Thrones, even the magic they use in that. But those... Those are like movie quality type. Oh well, yeah, they're money. well done. And this is from a network, and I know the network it has money, but it's not going to pour all of its money into this show. But so they do with it what they can. I mean, it's a very popular show, from what I've seen so far. I mean, people seem to really enjoy it when I bring it up. Um, it's just very different. It is a little different. It's very hard to like place it in a genre almost because it's not really fantasy. Because it's not set in the Middle Ages, and it's not really modern witchcraft, like what what uh, Charmed did. It's not really oh, Charmed. Yeah. It's not really uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It, it doesn't fit in a category. It makes its own category, and that's what I like about it, too. It's very unique. I agree with that. It's unique in a sense where when you're watching it, it's just like you don't know what to expect, and it's like... Oh, these are all the things that, you know, just like I said earlier, I've heard from my childhood before, and, like, it's kind of coming into real life, like, and I think that's what's cool about it. They took a different approach on a show, which, that's why I fell in love, in, like, fell in love with it, because mm-hmm. of that reason, and also, like, my sister was watching it, and I was like, oh, this looks really fun. Well, I hear that you think that past season, season five, it's garbage. Yeah, I would say, it. I mean, it just... I think that's with any show, in my opinion. I mean, Rick and Morty is pretty popular. It is, and it's good, but they're keeping up with like up-to-date stuff, so that's why I like it so much. Well, I mean, 
Once Upon a Time is, too. We have Elsa. We have that bitch from Brave, apparently, in some season stuff that I saw. I'm just looking at thumbnails mm. on Netflix. That's what but, you do. Yeah, yeah it's, I like the thumbnails. That's how, that's how I pick my shows I watch, Braden. Do I like the thumbnail? Is that a pretty thumbnail? Yeah, but that's like judging a book by its cover. Uh, no. No, it's not. It is. They're thumbnails. Um, I mean, to answer your question, I guess, I think after season five, so the whole show is kind of confusing because there is a lot going on, and it goes back and forth from the fairy tale world to the real life kind of world, like the modern shit. We'll call it magical and non-magical. Okay, yeah, that go. makes it easy. But yeah, like it's just... I don't know. It goes back and forth, and so there's a lot to really unravel in the show. And so, like, past season five, there's just so much going on, it's hard to keep up. Well, I mean, they added Elsa. They added all this other stuff, all these random... I'm just curious, do you think that they're going to bring in, like, Pocahontas? And they brought in Mulan, which was so obscure. It was weird. She's not even a Disney princess. No, she's not. But she is very... She's a badass warrior. She is very useful in the later seasons to come. Oh, thanks. But I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, spoil it for you. You already spoiled something today. It's all right. Yeah, I mean, you did. But, um... We're past that. Evidently. So... So, anyway, um... Oscar's very angry. I am not angry. I'm not angry. I just I just love this show a lot, and we just haven't watched it in a while. So, I guess, based on seasons one to three right now... You know what? Fuck it. We'll just do the whole show. In the whole show, what is your favorite episode out of the show? Like, mm. the whole series. Oh, God. Um, I mean, I think it's a really popular choice, but I think this uh, season to episode one broken mm. i think that's my favorite because all these like fairy tale characters were living in a daze and they're like they get their memories back and they remember who they are and i think it's interesting how quick they turn on regina which makes sense like i would feel right. the same way like i would be full of fucking rage but i, I think it's fun because it starts to go in like more into like the characters that are like here and they're not here, they go back into their backstory and kind of like right. show what's actually going on with everybody. So that's what I like about it. And it's also like the curse is broken. Like that's what we wanted this whole fucking time. I don't know. I kind of like the curse. Yeah? I thought it was funny seeing Henry just scream at people and people think that he was insane this entire time and almost send him to counseling and, you know... Um, a therapist. It was hilarious. I mean, if I could have all my enemies in a little town and they're all in a daze and don't remember who they are, that would be nice. I could see, I could see Regina's fucking reasoning for that. I mean, I think she did it just so she could be with Henry, though. That's her whole motivation. Well, no, because remember, she didn't adopt Henry until a couple years later. Mm. After she was in the town. Remember she went back. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She left because she's like the only one that could leave at this time. So the reason why the curse became a thing in the first place, because Regina wanted to get revenge on Snow White because Snow White fucked her over as a kid or whatever. Right. And like, you know, killed A tattletailed on her. Basically, yeah. yeah. That's what you get for snitching. Remember, folks, my fellow yaks, my yakians, don't snitch. We don't snitch here. Or I- you're going to wind up dead. 
like Snow White. And she's not dead. Yeah. I mean, she's not dead, but she's close. She's close. But that was her whole motivation is to get revenge. And so whenever Regina went to Rumpel, they made a deal. But the deal was uh, you can't hurt Snow White in their land. It has to be into another land. So the Dark Curse ripped everybody out from their world into the world they're in now. Right. Yeah. So, like, you know, the revenge part was most of it. But then after Henry came into Regina's life... Mm-hmm. That was, I think, her motivation from then is to be with him. To be with him, yeah. And we see a bunch of things in the earlier episodes where she's crazy and making spells and stuff just to be Ag- with Henry. Agreed, yeah. Uh, okay, so, Brayden. Um, I had a note written down for you. Do, 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 do. Okay, second favorite character from this series. No, not Johnny. Unfortunately, oh, not Johnny. Yeah, not Johnny, our editor. Yeah, he he wants to be involved. It's but okay. he's all over the show. He's always over. Without him, the show wouldn't be as good as it is. Yeah, you know. But I don't know. I mean, it's hard to really pinpoint a character that I love because I like everyone mm-hmm. in a sense of like they're all different, but well, they're all kind of the same. You've already established that you love Rumple. Oh yeah, and he's it- for sure. He would. Rumpel makes the show what it is. I don't know. Regina's pretty classy, too. Regina's great. I think I like... That's probably my second favorite character is Regina. Okay. Is because the way she, like, handles things, she doesn't let her emotions get in the way that... Like, the way that she needs to get things done. Right. And I think that's, like, what I like about her. It's like... She's really slithering in that way with ambition and doing anything Uh to kind of get... Her way. Yeah. I agree. Nah. Yeah. Let's bring some Harry Potter into this, too. Yeah, yeah, I think Rumple would definitely... You're going to disagree with me, but hear me out. No. I think Rumple is certainly a Ravenclaw. He's, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I don't... He, he has the forethought towards I, everything. No, I... 100%. It's Slytherin, hands down. Why? Just because, I mean, he's just like... He's not ambitious. He only has one goal. Yeah, but that... But he's very learned. He's very wise. Well, okay, that one goal makes him ambitious to do things. Mm. To get to to where he needs to be. I'm still going to say that Regina is Slytherin and um, Rumpel is Ravenclaw. I mean... And we all know that Snow White is fucking Hufflepuff. I guess. Stupid ass Hufflepuff. Um, but I guess I don't know. I had a question for you. Ooh, a question for me. So, in the show, I know you haven't gotten very far, but where we're at right now, what has been one of your like favorite things that's happened, or like? Oh, you mean what made me break down and cry like a little bitch? I mean, if you um, want to go that way. So the thing that impacted me the most in the show is I didn't realize I cared about Henry that much until Peter Pan ripped his fucking heart out Mm. and then he died and you're just like, oh, I mean, I hated this kid for like two seasons, but you were sitting there when I watched that episode. I was literally crying because Henry, like he's dead. That's a dead kid. And I think that's so cool about that show too is that... They, they're they not afraid to kill children. 
where there's so much media out there, like in movies, you never see a child die. You yeah. never see, uh, I in, see that. like in books, you see children die, but you've never seen a show kill off a child. And then Henry dies on screen. Like they're not shy about it. And you're like, oh shit, this dead ass kid is dead as fuck. And so that was your favorite part. I mean, like, it was the most emotional part for me. My favorite part, I would have to say, is when um, Belle and Rumpel are in the castle together. And she's, like, cleaning. And they're starting to, like, really love each other. And then he gets all pissed off and sends her away. And, like, I feel just so... I know. I push everybody I love Uh, away. I agree. I'm one of those people. So, you know. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's fucking terrifying. So we um we got off topic a little bit. It's all right. It is. I mean, we don't always. But have what to do you think about the betrayal? Of, I don't like the timeline they did with Pan and Wendy and all of that. What do you mean? So Wendy stayed a little girl, and then her brothers, even though they're all from the eighteen hundreds, like fucking. They were like 20. Like, were you confused why she stayed? No, I got why she stayed. Okay. I didn't understand why they stayed. I was just really... I was like, okay, this doesn't make any fucking sense because your whole family is dead. Because, again, 1800s. And it's like... Well, she was also on the island for 100 years. Again, her I understand. It's her brothers. Well, you also have to think, too. So, whenever... So, originally... They were doing work for Pan, so it makes sense they were on the island for a certain period of time, and then they were off doing his bidding or his work or whatever. Oh, okay. So, like, I think over time doing Pan's work, they grew older. I mean, it was kind of weird. I get what you're saying. It it just kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah, I see that. So, since we're on the topic of magic, Brayden, how far are you in that Harry Potter game? Eh, I haven't really picked it up in a while. Uh, yeah. Do you care to pimp what Hogwarts house you are? Come on, say it loud and proud. Slytherin. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah, it sounded like it. Sounded yeah. like you were there. What are you, are you excited for the Harry Potter movie that's coming out? I did hear about it, but I honestly don't know much about it. So you didn't watch the Fantastic Beast series. I watched both of them. I guess I'm confused on those two because mm-hmm. I don't know their timeline and I don't really know. Well, it's before Harry. I figured, yeah. And it's when Dumbledore is like... Wasn't he like a young... He was teaching at Hogwarts. Oh, shit. So this is probably right somewhere... Well, we know that he talked to Tom when he was a little older than he is. So I'm going to say this is like maybe 60 years out, 70 years out before the cra- before uh, Voldemort is even thought of as like a threat. Because, I mean, you know... Well, he was also like well, the main, 150 years, 200 years old when he died, right? Well, I mean, the whole, the whole thing about Fantastic Beasts is they're fighting Grindelwald. And mm. that's like Dumbledore's lover or whatever, and that's why he can't kill him, you know. But anyway, we're off topic again. I was just curious. But okay. um, once upon a time, I haven't seen that much, so I honestly don't know like what else to ask you without spoiling things. I did think it was really neat that they had a conduit in each realm, like the magical and the non-magical. Like um, when they're creating the curse, when they blew up the well, if they blew up the well, like everything would just fall to fuck. 
Um, I think that's a really cool anchor point they did in the show and like binding magic and things like that. I think that's really cool. Um, I really enjoyed how um, they did enchanting in the show as well. And I don't get really the dwarven pickaxe stuff to make fairy dust out of diamonds. I guess that's really cool, but like... I mean, I guess it was kind of a thing to fill in. Yeah, it really felt like a filler because it's like if you can make diamond dust and get fairy dust, then why can't everybody go to this world, you know? I mean... It's a good point. I I thought I didn't really like that episode just because I felt like it wasn't going anywhere. And it's like, why can't everybody just go to this world? I mean, I don't know. It it is weird, but just like I said, like that episode was just kind of a fucking fill in thing. I, I and it goes on to like with Grumpy Grumpy it just shows, like, his backstory and, like, how he yeah. fell in love with this fairy. And I'm like, this is so pointless. Well, I just it, didn't understand the point. It kind That's of all. makes you think that the writers forget how they were going to write themselves out of the curse. Because, <laughs> I mean, without the fairy dust, they wouldn't have had a backup plan. No, I mean, I think one good thing from that episode, it shows later on and it's the next season, how they're trying to get Ma- uh, Mary Margaret and Emma back from the Oh, other yeah, world. yeah, you're right. So they need fairy dust for that, too. Yeah. I, okay, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. You're right. It's weird. Maybe I'm just being a little too critical on it. Yeah, I can I, see that. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, we're all just very critical people, yeah, and we all, all suck. Just you. Yeah, I know. Well, I know. It's all right. But, I don't know why you all are I mean, I'm excited for the upcoming season. I'm excited for you, personally. I think this is when it starts to get really good, in my opinion. Like, don't get me wrong. I think the first season is my favorite season out of the entire show. Well, from everyone that I've talked to who's watched this show for an extended period of time, they all say season one is probably the best. I, I would agree. I think it's because it shows Rumple. And, like, how he became the I mean, Dark One. To be fair, it also has the most tension. Yeah. It, it really does. Like, Henry and the therapist fall down a fucking mine shaft, and you're just like, what the fuck? I mean, Henry deserved it. Yeah, he's kind of a little asshole in season one. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like... But he's also curious. Like, look, look, he, he's I, trying to help, and I understand that. I like new Henry, though. In season three, the one that's constantly got his face in his phone. Why? Because he he's all blinking, doesn't know what's going on? Yeah, he doesn't give no. a fuck about Henry, reading. No, dude. Henry is the, the full reason why the curse was broken. Honestly. In my opinion. I mean, do we really need Henry? I mean... At that point... No, you don't, but he is good to keep around. I will say that in the upcoming few episodes. Uh, I guess. Yeah, but... I don't like Charming either. Why? I, I He's know, great. I know everyone has a hard-on for Charming, and I just don't get it. His character is so one-dimensional, and I can't relate to him on any facet of it. Why? Because he goes off of belief and faith on everything? No, Braden. We're not even going to touch that. We don't touch that here in the Yak Society. Um, no. I think it's that it's an unrealistic... <clears throat> Excuse me, I almost died. Um, it's like an unrealistic view of masculinity in a way. It's like... 
oh, I have to do this. And yeah, I get it. It's honored. What's your definition of, of what's your definition of that? So I think from like the show's perspective, what they're showing is that charming goes on this quest. Like Medusa, prime example. Prime example of how um, what I'm talking about. So he goes in. Right? Okay. Yeah. He's trying to find Medusa's head. He's sure. gonna kill Regina. All of that. I don't like how he got turned to stone, and then because of plot armor, magically got resurrected again. It's like you failed. I mean, yeah. And it's just showing again. But you also have to think the reason why a lot of this shit happens whenever like charming and snow white get into these situations is because they're needed and if you kill kill off the main character it's hard to kind of replace that with something well see that's what made him being on the island in neverland so so shitty to me because it was like oh because he didn't never leave no he got stabbed with this poisonous branch that's about to kill the shit out of him and i'm like and the whole time i'm thinking it doesn't fucking matter and I remember thinking that when watching this episode because it was like, it doesn't matter because... You could already see... He's going to have some plot point to bring him home. And I'm I'm just so tired of characters like that. Like, I want... I think that's why I like Rumple so much. Like, when Rumple got stabbed and dissipated, I literally cried for, like, seven <laughs> minutes. Because here's a character a that, like, had a turnaround and was great and development and not not protected by plot at all his his actions weren't predictable okay i that's fair but you, it in charming's case when i say um skewed masculinity it's like this predictable movie masculinity like oh, nothing can happen to me because i'm strong and courageous and virtuous no sometimes strong courageous virtuous people fall mm-hmm and I think it would be better for the show to show that because in most fairy tales, they do fall. Okay, so it's like an Endgame, the last of the... I haven't seen Endgame. Oh, fucking A. Anyway. <laughs> he believed me. Uh, no, I've seen Endgame. But it's like anyway. whenever they killed off Iron Man, I think that like what you're talking about, like when strong, courageous fucking heroes fall or whatever, I think that was... A good way to get rid of somebody. It's like, oh, like, you know, you think Iron Man would come out victorious, but like, right. in the end, he fucking. So dies. you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. I mean, and also you have to think too. It it's one of those shows where. I mean it. It came out seven or eight years ago, right? So in that time frame, everything was kind of like that, right? And I'm just, I'm just saying though. It's like, man. They could have done so much more with his character. They could have given him like a King Arthur type feel, you know. I'm sure King Arthur is going to make an appearance at some point. Yeah, King Arthur's great. I like. Oh, him. is he? Yeah. Oh, he's, he's actually in it. He's lovely. Thanks for spoiling that for me. You're welcome. Well, Bray Bray, it has been a lot of fun talking nonsense. I'm sure confusing the shit out of people who don't watch the show. What we're talking about. They'll get it. Um. So you haven't seen The Mandalorian yet. You're going to watch that, and you're going to enjoy it a lot. 
Yeah, we can always make a time to yeah. fucking do it. We got, uh, you know, when you have 40 minutes and I have 40 minutes, let's do it. It's the best 40 minutes of your fucking life. Yeah. Anyway, yaks, sorry for the delay in this episode. Uh, I know that we're a week behind, and I apologize. I was incredibly busy last week. He's sorry. I just want to finish up um, with a couple more things. Again, we are on Apple and Spotify. Um, our logo will be finished soon. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page. Give us five stars on Apple. You can write anything you want to in the comment box. You can say you're following instructions, whatever. And also, again, go check out Vaguely Ethnic Boys by Cyrus and Moxley. Really, really funny podcast. And uh, hope you all will be here in the next episode.